Back in the middle of September, we had Kirsten on to talk about what she does best, which is project management. And in that episode, we talked about how to budget for projects, how to plan those out in advance. But what we realized as we got to the end of that episode is that we really hadn't talked at all about how to execute on those projects. And so we had Kirsten come back. And in this episode, we're really going to jump into a number of topics that will be far more practical. So this is the Seven Figure Music School podcast. I'm Daniel. This is Nate. Kirsten's back. And we are here to talk about how to run a fun, mission-driven school. And Kirsten, tell us a little bit about some of these practical things that we're going to dive into today. Right. So last time we talked about defining your few ideas, determining the viability and timeline and profitability of those ideas, and then narrowing those down to one or two things that are best fit for you and things that you want to actualize. So in this final episode on project management, we're going to talk about practical strategies for executing those ideas and measuring their success. Okay. Okay. Now, that is a that that is a lot of thinking to do. Uh, that those are some fancy words that both you and I have said. So I want to even break this down even more and offer these suggestions to those who are listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, this applies to so many different things. We could be talking about how to build a website, how to start a marketing campaign, how to redesign hiring systems or training systems in your school. Just so many different projects that contribute to the long-term growth and financial stability of the school, they have to be managed. They have to be planned in advance. And then there has to be a plan to in place to execute those things at a practical level, day-by-day basis. You're sitting down in front of your computer, you're with a teammate, and you have to know what to do. And so the reason why I like Kirsten for this, (laughs) and I'm going to pick her brain today, is because she is that person who takes the big picture vision and turns it into a practical plan. So today we're going to talk about the tools, um, the processes that she and I have gone about to, to execute big projects. Of course, Nate, I mean, it's not like Nate isn't in the room as well. Nate's running an enormous school. And uh, Nate, you know, big picture vision guy, and he's got a team that he works with to also do those things. So there's a lot of practical wisdom here today. And that's why I'm excited to jump into this. So Kirsten, what are a few ideas that people should be thinking about as, as we go into this very practical episode. So the first thing is, I'm sure some people are thinking, why don't I just jump into this project and do it how I normally do it? Why do I have to put so much thought into it? But it's definitely worth considering because if you execute a project well, it's going to improve your well-being. It's going to improve your work environment and also help prevent burnout. Um, I forget who mm-hmm. who said this, but... The quote is, be regular and orderly in your life so that you may be violent and original in your work. So executing projects well is an important thing for sure for every business owner. Yeah, you know, Kirsten, what's funny is that I think that there are many examples I can point to where at the factory, I I sort of like was disruptive without actual long-term benefit. It was like, I've got a bunch of ideas. Let's all sit down and talk about them. But what you're saying is like, okay, that's cool. But if you don't build this system and you don't start learning ways to execute on an idea consistently, idea after idea, then like to to just sort of reframe your quotes, 
be regular and orderly in your life. If you're not regular, regular and orderly in your life, you're saying that basically we're just going to sort of be violent and disruptive in our work. <laughs> we're actually not going to be, we don't have a system to do it well. Right. So, so for those of, uh, for those of you that are listening and thinking like, really, do I actually have to get into the nuts and bolts of project management? Please take it from me that an idea is not enough. Yeah. You need to know what to do with an idea. Nate, that's really, really interesting. Um, and the, the archetype you're describing is the ideas person, the visionary that just, let's go do, let's do, yeah. do, do. I will tell you, I run into a lot of people where they wish they had that internal drive, that motivation to do. Because a lot of people that I know mm. are stuck or they don't act very quickly because they don't have a template to follow. They're just like, oh, there's all these things that need to be done. How do right. I get them done? And it ends up looking like operating from their memory. Oh, I think that needs to happen. Um, or it looks like writing things yes. down, but having this, what's the word I'm looking for? They have this hesitation because they're not sure that they designed it correctly. They're not sure that these are actually the most important things they should be doing right now. And so I think there is this other kind of owner, and it's probably the majority of people where they're not sure how to run a project. Mm. They're not sure how to do it right. And so the end effect is probably the same. There's probably chaos in either for either one of those archetypes, You're but right. for very different reasons. Yeah, totally. And the, the, the piece you just put in there, Daniel, I was going to, you were going to say, how do I put this? I think one of the challenges for those non, let's call them non-starters. And I don't mean that in a diminishing way at all. Right. Because I know what it looks like to have too long a task list that you just don't want to get anything done. Like that's like my Sunday scaries. I look at like all the things I'm supposed to do on Sunday to get ready for Monday. And I'm like, oh, there's too many things, dude. You should just read your book. Anyways, um, I would say to Kirsten's point, Daniel, is that for the non-starters, sometimes you don't even know what success looks like, so you don't even want to get started. You know, back to what you were saying, Kirsten, it's like a plan, oh, uh, a method to execute plus a clear definition of done, which I know you guys use um, in Grow. You use a template like that. So, yeah, I'm with you, Daniel. It's, it's They don't always have to look like divergent thinkers, to use your language from last app, Kirsten. They can be another version, too. Absolutely. So, and I think also as you're as you're listening, it's easy to get overwhelmed, but just try to consider the key frameworks that we're talking about instead of every little detail. It's really important mm -hmm. to start small and lean if you're overwhelmed with project management, um, because project management is cyclical in nature. You're going to learn with time as you continually execute. Um, and as I always like to say, a quote from Seth Godin, at its core, project management is really about causing the death of a million ands. Managing a project is the craft of picking this or that and isn't often welcome because and is a trap. So just start small and lean and learn from there and you'll be good to go. Mm. So this could this this is the danger of being really conceptual. This episode could be really conceptual. So Kirsten, I think in the last episode, we had looked through uh, we looked through the lens of what would it be like to design like a new website for your music studio or your, or your music school. I think that would be a good frame to talk about these really practical steps that people go through. So when you're thinking about managing a project, as opposed to giving us some abstract frameworks of how to do that, let's talk through it as if someone is 
has like a really terrible studio website uh, and they want to involve their team uh, and possibly even people outside their studio to get a new marketing website up and running. And I will just point out for everyone listening that we're going to use this specific example, but this could this could literally be anything. I gave a, a small list earlier. It could be redesigning hiring systems or training yeah. systems. It could be, uh, you know, Nate, I know is um, you're redesigning your your uh, gigs for teens at BMF right now. Like it, yeah. it could be any number of things. So just understand that whatever we're talking about here can be repurposed to the project that you've got going on. So Kirsten, where do we, where do we start if we're uh, wanting to project manage this? So I would probably say the first place that we start at least is having a brainstorming meeting. Even if it's just you set aside some time, sit down and write down every little thought you have about this project, all of your ideas, all of the different facets involved, because this is really a canvas for creativity for you. And most people listening are creative. So this is a fun part. Enjoy this part. Um, and you're going to use the answers you wrote down in the viability and profitability section of episode 89, where we talked about project management. This is really wh- where you want to get everything out on the table. And if you're also doing with this, this with the team, you want to consider your confidence and enthusiasm towards ideas that are presented. Um, because honestly, they exist to make the idea better. There's no harm in that. And positive thinking is contagious. And Daniel and I talk about this all the time. It, If you're sitting there and someone presents an idea to you during this brainstorming meeting, it helps people explore the edges if you're positive about it. And maybe in the best of cases, it helps them overcome their fear and share the very best version of what they have in mind. So keep an open mind. This is really just a time to lay everything out on the table. Kirsten, can I ask you a question on this? Yes. Okay, so we literally just came from a version of what I call our uh, 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 brainstorm, but I call it blue sky. So you're just like, if you couldn't fail, money wasn't an object, you could have all the time in the world, what are all the possible outcomes you could get from this thing? And like Daniel mentioned, we were talking about designing our teen gig. I think it's totally valuable to look at the website too as a perfect example. Like, hey, if we could have any version of a website we wanted, what would it do for us? You know, so a couple of tactics that I use at BMF for our listeners is keep it really practical. Number one, we popcorn. In other words, I go first and then I call on the next person. So everybody has to give an idea. There's no like, nah, I I gave my one idea. Who's next? You know, everybody has to keep giving an idea because there are no bad ideas, right? There's only a great website. Just everybody puts something out there. The second tactic we use, which um, is just that yes and, and Daniel and I have talked about that before, which is you say back an idea you heard before and you say, you take 10% of that idea and you're like, that's really cool. What if we had an opt-in form that looked and felt like this on our site and we always got a phone number because we need a phone number in order to implement you know, SMS marketing or text marketing as part of it. So I wanted to share a couple of those tactics and just double down on your comment, which was um, you really have to insist in this stage on all ideas are valid ideas. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there not to go into solutions. I will also make the point that this brainstorming that Kirsten's talking about, it is not making your actions list yet. 
we're way before that. And I, I right. sometimes think that people jump straight into, you called it solutions, but I'll also say just actions, which is not what this is. We are literally thinking about all the possibilities. However, I will say this, that it does need to be in the context of a strong sense of what we're trying to accomplish. So the brainstorming happens. And right. Kirsten and I have had a lot of meetings like this in the context of grouplessons.com or grow or back when Kirsten was working for my studio as well. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations like that, but keeping the eye on the prize. And that could be where, as Kirsten talked about in the last episode, on episode 89, there's Batman and Robin. Whoever is the project lead needs to keep keep people's eyes on the prize. They need to keep, you know, so for instance, in the context of a website, if you're a music studio and you choose to have a website, which you should hundred percent, one of those, one of the main reasons that that website site should exist is to get leads for your school. So if you've got a well-meaning, but clueless person in that meeting who's like, oh, I think we should just totally use the site to, to promote the arts in our local area. And I think we should have a whole section on there that like highlights local artists. Cool. But how is that getting us to more leads? The truth is, is it pro- that probably would actually be detrimental to that, that goal. And as great an idea as that sounds, and someone could even make the argument, well, well, actually, if we're highlighting local artists, there's going to be a lot of people coming to the site to look at that. So it'll probably actually get more people to the site. Yeah, but that's not how good marketing works. And so I do think it's up to the project lead, or if you're brainstorming by yourself, to keep in mind what that main idea is, and then just start writing down ideas along the lines of what will get you to the goal. So just a thought that I'd add. Kirsten? Daniel, but I, I want to go right go back to Kirsten, but I got to just add to that. Sorry, <laughs> definition of success. You know what's not working. I'm going to go back to our teen open mic or our teen gigs you mentioned in passing. We just had our brainstorm meeting on it. And the one thing we said at the beginning was what we know we don't want to do ever again is have another five hour long teen open mic gig. So we were like, no matter what we do, it can't ever look and feel like this again, which is similar to what you're talking about, which is saying what we know we want our website to do is to generate new leads. We're currently generating 10 a month. We need it to be 40 a month if we're going to achieve what we want to a year from now. So you just put that in writing at the top of your of your uh, blue sky thinking. Okay, so Kirsten, back to you. Any other additions before we go on to what's next? No, I think it's great. I mean, the brainstorm sessions are just, they're good. They've been really helpful for us. And sometimes we've come into a brainstorming session all feeling really overwhelmed. And we've come out of it with a ton of really good ideas and some really terrible ideas. But it always leaves us excited and we always have something to work from. So definitely start with that. Um, The next step is a little bit harder, but you do have to eventually condense that brainstorm into a project roadmap. And you, during this step, you have to agree on your measurable outcomes that you want to shoot for, as well as your metrics for progress tracking. So this is where if you have someone on your team that's really, you know, systems oriented, really good with operations, this is where you, you ask them to come in and help you condense this into something that's, that's attainable for your team. Okay, Kirsten. So 
you said the word project roadmap, and I bet half or over half of the eyes yeah. in, in the audience just glazed over. I think we should actually um, zoom in on this. And I'm not in any way poking fun at Kirsten because that's exactly what I do next as well. But I do just want to be careful that we don't gloss over this. When you say project roadmap, can you give us an idea of what that looks like? What is it? Uh, you, you said measurables and deliverables and a bunch of cool words, but can we make this a little more practical? Definitely. So if you're talking about building a website, you want to break this down into actionable steps. So that may be hiring a developer for your website. It may be hiring you know, a UX designer for the website, mm-hmm. figuring out what your website's going to look like, figuring out the copy, someone's in charge of writing that copy. So it's just breaking it down into all the different steps that you need to take in order for this project to be considered done. Okay, was there would there be an intermediary step between the brainstorm and actually the project roadmap? Because this actually sounds pretty. It sounds like the thinking advanced pretty far. Yeah, you know. So like, how right. do you so, get from a brainstorm to a project roadmap? Definitely. So I think even having a meeting in between those is totally appropriate in this sense. Um, but you eventually need to come from a place of here's. Here are all the ideas we have. This is if we had no constraints, no budget, no, no limit on resources. Um, and then you eventually need to have a meeting where you say, okay, we do have budgets. We do have limited resources. We have to kind of condense this into things that we can actualize mm. within the next quarter or two quarters or year or whatever. And so I think if you want to have a meeting in between, if, if you feel really overwhelmed with everything that's in the brainstorm meeting and you don't know how to break it down, maybe have another meeting and just talk about, okay, here's everything that we have laid out on the table. Now let's talk about some things that we know we actually need to do during this and things that are feasible for the team. So we know we need someone to write copy. We know we need some someone to do this. And you just kind of break it down into the bigger steps of that roadmap. So in the instance of that marketing website, it would be, you know, the UX design, the development person, the person writing copy, just the major steps that you have. And then you can break it down from there. Mm. Kirsten, I'm going to tell you what it looks like when not done well, because (laughs) I've seen this at the factory, specifically with our website. And I'm sure the listeners right now will recognize this. You're, you want an upgrade to your website. So instead of brainstorming and then doing the intermediary step, as Daniel was very wisely pointed out, that that's a really important intermediary. And then mapping out, oh, okay, someone's doing copies. Someone's collecting all the photos. Someone's collecting videos. Instead of doing that and then creating a roadmap, because I'm really excited to hear about what comes next, instead of doing that, what you do is you decide on one quick fix hey, let's just update the copy. Who's going to do it? And for most of our listeners, it's probably you who's going to do it, <laughs> right? So now you don't just... Re- <laughs> so let's be super clear here. You no longer have a project that you're managing. You have a single task that you're doing at probably a B minus level. And the only reason I can say that with such assurance is because there were many years at the factory where I would just like quickly ping Catherine, who is our director of marketing, be like, hey, can you do these quick fixes on the website? Because I just heard this podcast episode that we need better copy. So let's just make better copy. I wrote something. Can you do this? 
And like we never actually upgraded the website until finally at one point we were like, okay, stop everything and let's make this a true project that we're going to manage over a couple of quarters to do this right. So just wanted to make that clarifier because this step that you're outlining, Kirsten, is essential if you actually want to manage a project and deliver something that is much significantly stronger than what you currently have. Yeah. And let's be clear that more than likely, unless you're a larger school that actually has a facilities manager, general manager, ops manager, Kirsten's my ops manager. I, I, I realized now we never introduced you, Kirsten. If someone hadn't heard episode 89, they'd be like, who's this, who's this awesome person? Um, <laughs> so anyway, more than likely, it's going to fall on the CEO, the owner of the school to be the project manager. And so let's say you do have a small team. You're going about this project uh, and you've done a brainstorming session. It's likely going to fall on you to take all those raw materials and put it into some form or semblance of order so that you can even come up with this plan that gets put onto a roadmap. And Kirsten, I know you're about ready to go into tools and, and how to do all that. I will also point this out that in some ways, the website may not be the best example of a team-based one, because more than likely you as the owner, you probably don't have a lot to gather from your teachers about the website. If it was a project around a recital or performances or a new program that you're mm -hmm. starting in the school, you're probably going to be talking to your teachers. Um, but if it's something that's more in the marketing end, the admin end, unless you do actually have some team members or an admin or even a marketing assistant, you probably aren't going to be talking to them. I will tell you personally that most of the marketing stuff at growandgrouplessons.com falls on me. But even then, I still sometimes like to have a meeting with Kirsten and or Bethany just to run ideas past them, even if they aren't going to necessarily be part of the project. I just like to have someone I can talk to and I get good insights from them, even if they aren't even necessarily going to be on the execution end. Uh, so even that can sometimes be helpful, but I just wanted to throw some of those practical wisdom tips in there because if you're listening to this, you could be thinking like, oh man, okay, so I'm getting ready to redesign our invoicing. Looks like I need to call a, uh, looks like I need to call a meeting with all my teachers to talk about it. You know what? Maybe you don't, maybe you don't need to get them involved in that. Maybe you just need to have a meeting with yourself, but irrespective of what the project is, you are yeah. going to follow these steps. So whether it's you alone or with three or the five yes. other people in the room, you need to have the brainstorm. You need to take those raw materials, put them aside for a couple of days, pick it back up, look at the look at the brainstorm that you came up with, start creating a list of this is roughly what it's going to look like, and then kind of go through those rough draft stages to the point where you're like, hey, this is what I think the roadmap's going to be. Yeah. So I think the next step would just be. You want to eventually organize that project roadmap that you have into some, some sort of project management software. So we use Asana and we use Jira for Piano Express. And it just kind of depends on what combination of agile methodologies you're using. So you just want to eventually have some sort of project management software that works for your team, where it's getting your team out of email, out of Slack, and you have some concrete task where someone's supposed to do it. It's assigned to a person, it's assigned to a certain date, and you can track those things. 
throughout the duration of the project. You know, um, Kirsten, just to be clear on this, we at BMF, we didn't use any software. We just used our a Google Sheet for years when we first started managing quarterly projects. And it just looked left to right. Like, you know, the rows were the the project names and each owner had a section with like one or two projects they were owning and then left to right were just dates and you just move them over and then you could pull down whether it was on course or not. Um, and there was a little note section. So, so if you're listening and you're like, wait, what? I need to start buying more software to even begin a project. Am I, is it okay to say like, no, don't worry about whether you have a Jira subscription right now. Absolutely. You can absolutely implement these your ideas, right? Just with as simple as a spreadsheet. Um, am I, that's cool to say, yeah? Like we now use Asana too, but I feel like I, want, I don't want our listeners to be dissuaded until they're ready to learn a new piece of software. Definitely. Start small, grow from there. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing is just getting it out of your email inbox or your Slack because um, it's really easy to get lost in those mediums. Yes. So just make it something where you can clearly delineate who's in charge of completing what, what the data is that they need to get it done by and all the resources that they need to do it. Mm. Yeah. But, but I will point out that one other thing before I, oh man, I think we have, sorry, really, Daniel, we have a micro delay. We have like really bad lag on this one. Um, yeah, I, I, this is going to be a real bear to edit, but I can do it. Um, so, the only thing I would add is that the flip side of that coin is that if you currently are operating out of a Google Doc or you are on that track to being more organized, that sort of thing, softwares like Asana are very inexpensive to start out with. However, I do know that there is a mental and emotional cost that comes to adopting something new. You have things to learn and, and that sort of thing. I delayed on adding a piece of software for almost six months this year just because I didn't want to have to deal with it. I've got a client right now who uh, is waiting for some time to, to get familiar with Asana. Uh, and, it, and, and so I, I, while I do know that there is a, um, a time and emotional tax on that, it is so much easier to keep track of things when you use a piece of software <laughs> like that. Um, and I'm almost tempted to, to share my screen and just show what it can look like. Uh, maybe I'll put some screenshots in, I don't know. But even for something as simple as publishing a blog post or publishing the post that goes along with this podcast episode, we have six yeah. different people on this task slash project, this weekly project that we have every week. And uh, Kirsten, how many subtasks are there? There's like at least a couple dozen. Um, but there's a lot. I, yeah, I can't think of the last. But they're simple. Yeah, they're repeatable. Yes, and which is why it's why, why it's so helpful because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just start from a template every time. But my point is, is that yeah, when you when you have something, when you have a piece of software like that. Um, it, what it what it fosters is this environment of accountability. It fosters this environment of productivity and efficiency. And truth be told, this is episode ninety five. Um, I can count on one hand the number of times we had a process problem in getting one of these episodes out, just because everything is so clear. Yeah. So that is a small commercial for. 
for something like ClickUp or Monday.com or Asana or, or one of these project management tasks, which to reference something Kirsten said earlier, the idea of a Kanban board or Scrum or a Trello type board, Asana actually has those functions inside of them too. And there are some projects that we operate on a checklist basis. There are some projects, Bethany and I, the way that we do our social media publishing, we actually have a Trello type board and we don't even need Trello. It's right inside Asana. And we take pieces of content and we move them across this board from um, ideation all the way to completed and posted. So there's, uh, there's a lot that can be done in things like that that can't be done in Google Docs. Not pushing back against you, Nate, just saying that um, they're inexpensive and they're very much worth the, the time it takes to learn them. Well, they're, they're free to start on Asana. We didn't even pay for Asana for at least a year or something <laughs> That's um, great. at DMF. And yeah. yeah, I mean, we never even paid for it. And the thing is, is also, just to highlight one of your points, Daniel, is that since they're built specifically to manage projects, they actually change the way you think about ideas. Because they're just literally, even, you know, the manual, the help section, everything is about you trying to get something done, but in a systematic way, which is what you're talking about, Kirsten. So there can be benefit to signing on to an Asana or whatever. That's what we use at the factory, too just merely to help shift your mind, you know? Um, Kirsten, what do we got next now? We have this roadmap. We've got, we know we need to do some things. How do we actually get, how do we actually start doing things and get to a finish line? Right, so assuming you have some sort of way to assign people things, you want to start assigning these things that you've clearly delineated Uh, Based on the timeline of your project, the team that you have involved, you always want to make sure that you are building an extra time for outside resources, any contractors you have, etc. So this is just really the time to start assigning things to people and deciding on the dates that things need to be done based on, you know, the end date of the project or the goal that you have for completion. We had a problem, Kirsten, at BMF where we would assign a due date, but not a who. We would assign who was going to do it, but not when it was due. And so we're just like, who and do? Who and do? And by the way, if you're listening, it doesn't matter, like as Daniel pointed out, if you have to do 90% of the tasks, you still have to assign yourself to the task and you have to give yourself a due date, right? And it, I mean, Kirsten, I'm going to just be honest. It took us a while to realize that who and do were essential pieces here. Um, so any other, any other thoughts on that? Have it grow? Have you had any experience with not assigning a who or a do, or just what are some of the benefits there? So I don't think we've ever had any issues with assigning those things just because in the brainstorming section, we talk about, you know, all the ideas, but we also determine who's Batman, who's Robin, and then we delineate Mm. who has which roles. So you know, if it's something copy related, it goes to Daniel. If it's something systems related, it goes to me. So we just, we try to make it a point during those brainstorming sessions to, you know, talk to people about what role they want to have, but also keep in mind what role they generally have and what they're good at and just try to make that a part of that process. I think at the factory sometimes, because we have a, a larger team there's this moment where we're sort of afraid to just ask. 
You know, like I, maybe that sounds weird to our listeners, but like literally we just came out of this teen redesign our teen um, gig season meeting and we have all these ideas and we, by the end of this week, we will have a, a roadmap is my guess, but we still need to say out loud, who's going to own this. And we also, to your point, need to say out loud, who's the best resource to own this. Sometimes we're afraid to just say those things out loud. And my experience at the factory has been when we don't take that extra step, you're saying, like, who normally does this? Who's going to actually put their name on it? Then it sits undone for like four or five days. And then it, and then it can actually slide off. And then like two weeks from now, you wonder what broke. You know, we're like, wait a minute, I did my thing I volunteered for. You did your thing you volunteered for. Why is this still kind of broken and sort of sucking? You know, like what's going, what's wrong here? So, yeah, please don't repeat that if you're listening. Follow Kirsten and Daniel's wisdom on this. Just wanted to jump in here and show what the inside of our, and obviously if you're listening on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see this. So you might head over to YouTube. Uh, to the channel, but this is just what it looks like to publish an episode. Uh, um, and I just want to show you the detail. We have the edits, mm-hmm. writing timestamps, approving timestamps, creating images. Kirsten does that. Um, approve the audio. And then if you were to actually go deep into some of these tasks, there are subtasks in, in these as well. So this is what it looks like when you translate something as simple as publishing one episode of a podcast into that. And when you look at what Kirsten and I did uh, when it came to getting the grouplessons.com website set up, or when we redesigned Grow's website back in 2019, um, they get much more detailed. We actually, that's a single task. We would sometimes, we would have an entire project built out where there were maybe 20 tasks that were all that detailed. And it literally just comes down to the brainstorm then you go into, okay, here's all the tasks that need to happen. Then you create those inside your project management system. Or if you're using Google Docs or, or something like that, you just write that stuff out in the context of whatever that software is or on a you know legal pad. <laughs> um, hopefully not <laughs> if it's that detailed, but you know it, maybe it'll work. Um, and then it's just a matter of who and do, as Nate said, and then you just start executing. And then I would say something I'm going to add, and Kirsten, I don't know if you have more to add after this, but something I would add is that sometimes sometimes things don't go to plan. And sometimes you have to get in there mm. and change those due dates, or you realize, oh my word, there's an intermediary step that that we didn't even consider. And now that we're trying to do this thing, we realize, oh, we needed a little more detail around this. And so we need to insert a new thing here, and then push those due dates. Even on the thing I put up put up on screen just a few minutes ago, uh, you saw a red date. It's because Daniel's late on something. And um, Kirsten has sometimes had to push due dates for other people because I was so slammed with something that a necessary part of the process that I was doing had not gotten done yet. Um, so there's all kinds of reasons why something might get off track or the timeline might have to change or a task has to be added in. Or as you're doing a project, you get more information and you realize a better way of doing something. And so you actually improve 
the outcome by by yes. not sticking to what you'd originally brainstorm. You actually get information as you go along. All kinds of reasons why things might get off track. But I thought I'd throw that in there. I don't know, Kirsten, if you have any pushback or additional thoughts or if you just want to move to the next step. But I wanted to kick it back over to you, Kirsten. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the reason why I mentioned those methodologies, the project management methodologies, because they're designed to be iterative. No project is going to be perfect. So that's a good point that you make there. Um, I'll just say after you're assigning things in your project management system or your Google Doc or whatever you are using, you want to make sure that you're also adding context to your tasks, um, especially those assigned to team members, especially those assigned to team members that need more direction. So I know Daniel's mentioned this before in systems-based podcasts that we use at Grow and Piano Express, we use vision, resources, definition of done. So vision is just you know, the overarching view of why this task is being done. All the resources are just what you need to complete the task. And then the definition of done is what it looks like when this task is complete. So this context is really helpful for people. And it's also really helpful for if for some reason you have to drop that project and pick it back up in a later quarter or year. So it's really easy to forget stuff. And it's good to, you know, kind of at least for me, jump back into Asana and see like, oh, this is a task that we had to push off half a year, but here's all the context and all the resources I need to get it done. And it just helps me remember what's going on. Kirsten, can I highlight some resources to keep it hyper-practical for our listeners? Um, resources, username, password, links to websites, screenshots of things, works in progress, um, exactly where to go to do the next this task. Sometimes we use language like resources, but honestly, our listeners are like, I don't even know what that means. Is that like money to spend? You know, we have gotten so much better, as you said, to just put everything in one, like uh, in, in Asana, on one card. Here's the, everything you need in order to do this task. And I know I've seen a lot of your working procedures that grow, and they're great that way. It's like, I don't need to go anywhere else. I don't need to bother Daniel with a question. I don't need to bother Bethany with a question. All the resources are here. And then the definition of done is like, that's not always crystal clear to people, right? Um, I wonder if you might, if I could, about Daniel or Kirsten, I wonder if you might just clarify definition of done for our listeners. Like, how do we know we have a good version of that? Okay, I'm going to let Kirsten handle definition of done, but I just even want to go a, a little bit deeper on resources first. I love what you say there, Nate. And I would define a resource as anything necessary to make this happen. And yes, when we have working procedures or we have tasks, right. we have a whole section where we have links and those sorts of things. Recently, we did some, we did some projects recently where uh, there were audio and video files that needed to be manipulated and had by everyone involved in the project. And so... Since I was project lead on that, I created a new folder. I put it in our folder file system. And on every piece of communication that went out, the link to that folder was there. And that is actually a little hack. And everybody who works with me <laughs> knows that I get really crabby if this doesn't happen. But if someone sends me an email and it's like, hey, what do you think about this? Or could you approve this thing? And they don't include either a link back to the Asana task or the folder of the thing I'm supposed to uh, be approved, Daniel gets very grumpy. And it's like, what are you doing? Why am I having to go search for this? Send links. Send the link to the resources right. when you ask me to do something. And 
I'm not a hypocrite. That's exactly what I do when I'm sending something over to Kirsten or sending something over to Bethany. It's like, you don't make someone go hunting for something. Put it all there and make sure it's a- a- available. Um, so I don't know, just a little pet peeve of mine that I thought I <laughs> that I thought I would vent about for a second. But Kirsten, do you want to talk about definition of done? Sure. So it's really just anything that defines the project or task being done. So that could be send Daniel the link to the folder to review um, or assign Daniel a task to review it or make sure that you document this in our folder filing system. It's just you want to think about every little step that someone might miss during this, um, but, but everything that you would consider when you're considering something to be done. So it can be as, as big as you want it to be. It can be you know as detailed as you want it to be. I, I cannot agree more with what Kirsten just said there. And I'll give a perfect example. We had a medium-sized project once where literally we got it, the ball to the one-yard line. And the only thing left was for Daniel to approve all the work that had been done. And no task was made for that. And so I think it languished for a month or two. And then all of a sudden we were like, hey, what happened to this one thing? And we went back like searching through the strata of everything that happened to figure out who was to blame. And it literally came down to, I just never got assigned a task to go to the folder and look at it. And so that's what that's what Kirsten's talking about when she's talking about down to the most minute detail. Like literally, I, I have tasks that I put when I assign something, if I assign like a medium-sized project to Bethany or to Kirsten, there will literally be a task that says, send Daniel an email about such and such. Or send this in an email to Daniel. Like that's how mm. attention to detail we get. That way the ball doesn't get dropped, things move efficiently, and that we're thinking through all the steps necessary to make things happen. And I've made the people who work with me neurotic in that way because they're like, so, not neurotic, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek there, but like literally thinking like, okay, all these like little tiny details. And, and, and I've seen people who work for me go from being great workers to like truly exceptional by us having this culture of being that detail oriented. Nate, did you have something that you wanted to add on? I just was just going to clarify for me on the definition of done is that we, we, we have a project where we're defining what's done, but oftentimes there are these, what I heard Kirsten say, you know, 20, 25 minutes ago, when you make your roadmap, you have sections to the project, right? We have benchmarks along the way, and each one of those can have their own clear definition of done, right? So for example, back to um, our web example, you know, you have to gather all of the content before you can actually build something worthy of being built. And so that can take quite a while. That might take two weeks to write the copy, find videos, edit videos, find good photos, get sign-offs on photos from parents, allowing you to use the photos and blah, blah, blah. And so it's absolutely, am I right in saying, Kirsten, you can have a clear definition of done for each stage of the project? Absolutely. And I think that's also why we appreciate Asana. And no, this is not an ad for Asana. But (laughs) within, you know, one of those tasks, you could have a variety of subtasks underneath it. And in order for that main task to be done, that main project to be done, you know, it's approval from parents, it's the photos, it's all of the little details that are underneath that. And you have to check all of those off before you get the main task checked off. I was just going to say, Kirsten, um, is there anything else or is there a good way for us to wrap this whole this whole episode up? 
Right. So I would just say after adding your context to your task, you want to make sure that you're also thinking about if a task is something that you'll use again. If so, you want to add a subtask to that to create a standard operating procedure, an SOP to that task so it's documented. This just saves you time. It's helpful for next time. Um, and you also really want to make sure that you're setting your no, your project kickoff meeting and you want to schedule regular meetings throughout the duration of the project because communication is a process. It's not an event. Uh, this is another Seth Godin quote, but the, the purpose of communication isn't to get us stuck relieving tension, making our case and then closing the door. The purpose is to open the door to interaction, learning and action. So those regular meetings are really helpful. I know they've been really helpful for us at Grow. Piano Express, 7FMS, just making sure you're checking in um, and, you know, getting feedback from your teammates as well if you have those. Um, and then I think probably to wrap up the execution section, you're always going to have some level of imperfection. And for most of these mm -hmm. projects, you can keep making improvements after you deliver the minimum viable product. But this is where you kind of want to lean on your trade-off sliders, the team stand-ups that you've scheduled, all the progress that you've tracked, and your overall goals to kind of hold you accountable. Make sure you're improving your efforts and your communication and keeping you on track. So those meetings are really important. And then one final thing is I know decision-making is a big part of projects. And so one of the things that I've found really helpful is thinking about whether decisions are reversible or irreversible. So as you're in the middle of planning these projects, as you're in the middle of doing and executing on this project, kind of the rule that I keep here is that the more irreversible a decision is, the more time you should spend deliberating on that and vice versa. So just some things to keep in mind um, and some things to help you not be so overwhelmed with project management. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please... Share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.